At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, it is time to welcome back into the studio. We've had all the pomp and circumstance. Deanne rolled out the red carpet, gave him a bottle of water, and told him to sit down. Here's Dr. History. (laughs) Well, she didn't tell me to sit down and shut up, at least. No. (laughs) You know, how are you? I'm doing great. Has has the smoke kind of bothered you You know, not that bad. It did me. But I told you, uh, we rode up to the top of Mount Harrison on motorcycles last Friday, and you get up above, you know, it's clear and uh, nice, but you look down, and it's just kind of this haze all oh, over the whole yeah. valley. Yeah. So, And a lot of people that are asthmatic or people that have other lung conditions, it's been tough for them. Yeah. Yep. Really tough. Yep. What are we going to talk about? Okay. I'm going to show you a picture, Zeb. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Take a look at this guy. His name is Roman Nose. He was an Indian chief. No. He wasn't? No. That's a misconception, but we'll get into that. Really? But take a look at that headdress. Look at the feathers. Look at the the pipe, the, the metal around his neck. Wow. Uh, all this up on top. And I'm going to describe all that to you, but that is a very elaborate ornate uh uh you know i'm gonna hand that to you, yeah, you know, take a look at that let me just ask you about this now this is an original picture yes okay unfortunately it's black and white which, yeah. uh, but uh this roman nose uh i've read a little bit about these indian headdresses these war bonnets if you will uh boy they were treated with the utmost respect weren't they and we're going to talk about that okay well listen yeah. i'll let you have so, at it you bet so we're going to also talk about this guy, Roman Nose, who was not a chief, but was a very interesting, brave guy. Uh, I, and, was, I was wrong. I thought he was a chief. And, and a lot of people did. In fact, yeah. this right here says that he was a chief, but or the, the picture does, but he was not. Okay. Anyway, so the question, how effective was Indian medicine? Okay. Oh. And when I say medicine, I don't mean health medicine. Okay. Oh, really? I'm talking about... Uh, Power safe from you know, like harm. telling the rest of the tribe when they attack somebody they're not going to get hurt and all that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, okay. yes, yes. All right. All right. So one warrior rode his horse at a slow trot within thirty yards of eighteen hundred soldiers. Not smart. Each of whom was firing at him. He taunted them. He rode along their front not once but several times. The target for thousands of whistling bullets. He emerged from the experience without a mark or scratch. What is more, he repeated the performance on other fields and at other times at a trot yeah and they couldn't hit him oh uh, there's more <laughs> didn't say much for the united states army <laughs> back then not. so roman knows there was his name he was the fightingest of the fighting cheyenne nation uh, which said to be the fiercest of everybody of all uh he had the strong features of the northern plains indian he had these piercing black eyes which you can sort of see in that yeah. picture yeah you can uh his nose was hooked like a beak of an eagle <laughs> okay and that's where he got the but you know with this picture it's a head-on so we if we 
see a profile, maybe yeah. we'd see that. Uh, he that, was the Ray piece. Romano of uh, Indians. Yep, yep. Anyway, Roman Nose stood about six foot three or six foot four, really? weighed about two hundred and thirty pounds. He was every inch and pound of a fighting man, one of the finest that ever lived. No kidding. And yet, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out here. I don't think very many people have heard of him. So I'll be surprised if very many of our listeners know him or have heard of him. Anyway, like most Cheyennes, Roman Nose had more than one name. One was said to be, uh, and I'll probably butcher this, Sout, Sout the Bat. And I don't know where that came from. You're on your own, Yeah. Man. Anyway, <laughs> it may have been acquired during one of his campaigns from one of the medicines on his war bonnet. He was called Roman Nose by the whites, and the name caught on with the Cheyennes, who interpreted it slightly different uh, to them, it meant bird of prey. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was where it came from, bird of prey. Anyway, apparently Roman Nose was never a chief, but he certainly was at the front in every battle and led many attacks and raids. The whites regarded him as a chief and requested his presence at several peace conferences. No kidding. So he was a very influential man, even though he was not a chief. Now, there was another Indian chief uh, named White Bull, and he was his advisor. And some of the Cheyennes esteemed him, this White Bull, as one of the greatest of medicine men, Others said that he was one of the greatest of liars, <laughs> but be that as it may, he directed the medicine for Roman Nose. It was kind of like a mentor, I guess, almost. Hmm. So White Bull was said to have gained his powers from the medicine of a deer, a bear, and a wild hog. Now, we're going to get into these war bonnets. Now, these were worn only by those who were the real professionals in war. Only a few of each warrior society were qualified to wear them. And I think that's a misnomer because I, I think people think, oh, just anybody in the Indian tribe could have a war bonnet. But that's not true. You know, when you think about it, though, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, in a battle, I've heard, whether it's the tribe uh, changing from tribe to tribe, that if you shot and killed the leader wearing the so-called war bonnet, then you've taken the power away from the rest of the tribe yes. until they select a new leader. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Now, uh if a person was not accomplished in the art of battle and assumed the headdress, he was scorned by both his friends and his enemies. And it was said that in the Battle of the Rosebud, there was an Indian named Jack Red Cloud, and he was newly off the reservation. He wore his famous father, Red Cloud's, bonnet before proving he was worthy. Well, he was cornered during the fight. The crows took away his bonnet, or his, his war bonnet, and his rifle, and... The poor guy begged for death, but they only laughed, taunted, and horsewhipped him, telling him to grow up before acting like a warrior. And this was a huge humiliation. He was the son of Red Cloud. Yeah, and he took that on himself, not being worthy of it, so to speak. Oh, my. Anyway, when it uh, became time for Roman Nose to wear a headdress that signified his maturity in the art of war, he went to White Bull and requested one that would protect him from harm by his enemies and from nature. Okay. From uh, nature. Yeah, I'm gonna. There's an interesting part of this that you'll you'll see. Anyway, White Bull had just such a war bonnet in mind, one that had been revealed to him in a vision. Okay, it was more than an ordinary war bonnet. Uh, for in order to make it effective, elaborate ceremonies had to be observed before putting it on in battle. So there was a a thing you had to go through before you even put the bonnet on. They were pretty big and heavy, weren't they? They were. Uh, there were also restrictions placed upon the wearer. He must never eat food that had been touched by a metal tool or shake hands with anyone. 
Get wow. the, keep that in mind. Those two things are really important wow. when we get later on. Okay, the war bonnet uh, was composed of everything known that would ward off injury. Uh, the explanation of each por- uh, portion seems it seemed kind of naive and maybe kind of silly, but the total end resulted uh, was undeniably convincing. War bonnets ordinarily were constructed by their wearers, but in this case uh, of Romano's, White Bull made his headdress. Okay, so White Bull was kind of the, uh, an extremely powerful medicine man type person, hmm. and he made the war bonnet for Red, uh, uh, what's his name, Roman Nose. Roman Nose. Anyway, so I'm going to describe it here. Over the brow band was a single buffalo horn pointing upward. Now, I, I don't see that in the picture, but it, no. it must be there somewhere. Uh, behind this horn and tied to the hair was the skin of a kingfisher, which is a bird. On the right side of his head was a hawk skin. From both sides of his head streamed a trail of eagle feathers, red feathers on the right and white on the left. There's some significance there, and I don't know what it is. On the back of his head was the skin of a swallow, and there was also a part of a bat. Oh, goody. I'd love to put that on. Yeah. So the idea was that in battle, the real Roman nose entered the body of one of the birds represented in the headdress. How did they keep that on, though? Well, you know, I'm looking at that. and You know, in the movies, they show the Indians charging across the desert and right. everything, and those headdresses stand on. Well, come on. You must have had a stampede string or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, because it, it, it is awfully big. Yeah. So, anyway, um, the idea was that in battle that you took on the body of one of the birds, okay, uh, and enabling these birds to contribute their qualities to his own natural Make abilities. sure it's not a magpie. Yeah, we've got plenty of those. Anyway, his body could be fired at but not injured because the real Roman nose wasn't there. Just his spirit self. Oh, my God. That is, you know, if the proper ceremonies had been observed and none of the taboos violated. Now, one time Roman nose made medicine. Uh, he was to fast the sac- for four days uh, and pray for great medicine for guidance, protection, and supremacy over his, his, his enemies. Now, this is kind of an interesting a ritual, I guess, if you yeah. want to call it that. Okay, now at dawn of the first day, Roman Nose made a raft. He took on board a large buffalo robe for a bed and a smaller one for a pillow and a medicine pipe to smoke. Now, during his meditation, nothing else, no water, no food. Now, the first night, a storm came up, and watchers could see during the lightning flashes, they could see his raft being tossed around on these white capped waves and fearing for his safety they anxiously waited till the next morning well with the dawn he could be seen floating safely out in the middle of this lake still in the water on the lake Uh okay that's the first day now the second day roman nose was observed praying and meditating and with the second night another storm came up even worse more violent than the first the waves were higher tossed more wildly the lightning flashed more brilliantly and the thunder was even more deafening and the third day found roman nose still sitting out there on this raft Mm-hmm. All right. But he had his pipe. He had his you pipe. You don't know what he was smoking, do you? That <laughs> doesn't say. Okay. okay, here we go. Third night, the storm again, even worse. His people thought that night he'd give up and come on in. Uh, 
But again, he was unharmed. So now we go into the storm of the fourth night was the worst any of the Cheyennes had ever seen. And hailstones so big that they damaged the lodges, the horse herds, as well as wild animals. And the Indians were not only afraid uh, for Romanos, but for themselves. Well, it seemed that none would survive. But once more, when morning came, Romanos was floating safely in the center of the lake. And when he was rowed ashore, when he came ashore... You almost swallowed a fly over there. <laughs> I've got to learn to exhale, not inhale. Uh, when he came ashore, uh, this, was not, this was the end of his meditation, and it was evident that he had not been hit by a single hailstorm, although the rain had been like a solid sheet. Whitecaps had broken over the raft. Not a single drop of water had touched him. Now, come on. No, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Indian lore. The, okay, this was born the living legend of Roman Nose. Yeah. Uh, if nature's elements could harm, couldn't harm him, who else could? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, here we go. So the first occasion on record where Roman Nose demonstrated his uh, medicine was in a brush with the Cheyennes. Uh, they, they had a, a fight with the Blackfeet and the uh, Blackfeet tribe of the Sioux. And here he rode slowly along before the Blackfeet, taunting them as each in turn fired shots or arrows without ever hitting him. You know, I'm starting to wonder how the West was ever won. Nobody could hit anything. <laughs> well, according to legend, Roman knows, uh, uh, as I mentioned about, he turned down the offer to be a chief among the Cheyennes because he was afraid that the responsibilities would interfere with his life as a warrior. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a warrior. Yeah. And uh, so as a chief, I guess you wouldn't maybe necessarily be right in the midst of Sounds like Mitt Romney. (laughs) So, anyway, the white man, to teach them, uh, he was, uh, to them, he was arrogant, he was intolerant, he was uh, stubborn, he was cruel. So the white man didn't have a lot of good things to say about him. This is Roman Nose. Yes. Okay. Now, the first large-scale demonstration of his powers of Roman Nose came during the Battle of the Platte Bridge Station in 1865. Roman Nose directed the fight against a guy named Sergeant Custard, not Custer, Custard, and 24 men and three supply wagons. Now, Roman Nose rode slowly around the wagon train, just kind of looking it over. Although all of the men kept shooting at him, he wasn't hit. He didn't get hit again. He didn't get hit. So he rode back to his men. He directed them to creep forward under what natural cover they could find while shooting at the train. Well, sometime later, he rode forward again. When no shots were fired at him, he rode on in and found all of the men dead or badly wounded. His brother, a guy named Left Hand, was killed in this battle. And once again, Roman knows nothing. nothing no march, not even a scratch. Holy cow. Okay, we got another one. And he could walk on water. <laughs> well, almost. Okay. So the next opportunity to demonstrate his powers came in September of the same year, a short two months after the Platte Bridge fight. There was a General Connors had been placed in command of the Powder River Expedition. There was a Colonel Cole, and he was in charge of one leg of this drive, and then a Colonel Walker was in charge of another. So Colonels Cole and Walker actually weren't too good because they'd never had any experience fighting Indians. Uh, so they kind of had some things going against him. But almost from the start, they were in a serious trouble. And if they had not been rescued by this Major North and his Pawnee scouts of 1,800 men, uh, they would have perished either from the Indians or starvation or exposure. They'd lost all of their horses but a few. And these were unfit 
for use. Their supplies, wagons, mules, everything was gone. Even their guns, their ammunition, their boots were worn out. They were leaving bloody footprints where they walked. They had been under constant attack. Uh, often their horses were uh, starved for uh, having been continually on the, on the go, being chased by Roman nose and Holy his, and his cow. guys. So anyway, it was on the Powder River that the battle known as the Roman Nose Fight. So See, now actually, that's what I've heard of, and I thought he was a chief. Okay. Yeah, that's the one that maybe some people have heard about. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the soldiers were discovered by the Cheyennes, and both sides were squared away to fight when a request uh, to wait arrived from Romanos. He said, wait till I get there. He had not yet completed his medicine ceremonies. Oh. You see, before the medicine in order to work, you've got to go through these ceremonies oh, before yeah. you go into battle. Sure okay. you do. <laughs> anyway. So when he arrived, he rode slowly up and down the entire length of the soldiers at about 25 to 30 yards, not once, but several times. That's only like from home plate to first yeah. base. Daring them not, uh, to shoot. Uh, again, they all shot repeatedly. He did not receive so much as a scratch. Holy cow. In the fight that followed, the Cheyenne and the Sioux were driven off by cannon fire, but... Uh, what Roman Nose did was never be forgotten by the soldiers and by the Indians. Is, can this be verified? It's right here on this paper. <laughs> okay. It's got to be true. That makes it okay. This didn't come from the Internet, so I know there it's true. There you go, yeah. So, anyway, a few years later, 1868, uh, terror kind of broke loose along the Kansas border. Attacks were made on ranches, uh, farms, communities, railroads, stage lines. And, and you're going to tell me that Roman Nose died in the shower slipping on a bar of soap, right? <laughs> Not yet. Oh, okay. Anyway, there were a lot of people who were killed. Uh, homes were burned, cattle, horses, mules stolen. And through it all wove the pattern of Roman Nose. So he was he was kind of blamed for all this. And this happens like even with Chief Pocatello. Yeah. Anything happens, the, the most famous person gets blamed for all yep. of it. Just like Trump. Yeah. Anyway, his immunity to personal injury became a byword along the border and added to the horror that paralyzed the frontier. And detachments of soldiers fought battles with him and his warriors, but uh, he was he had these feats of daring and offering himself as a target. Uh, his followers, uh, sometimes he'd go out in front and let his followers escape if they needed to get away. And he always got away to lead other raids and other attacks. So Okay. All right. Now we're not done. I didn't think we were. (laughs) Even in front of his warriors, his size, and I said 6'3", 6'4". He was a big guy. Uh, Easily distinguished and never forgotten. In fact, pioneers along uh, these rivers said that uh, his name was used to hush children at night. You know, if your child was acting up, you say, hey. You better be good, or Romano's come to get going to come and get you. I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't with my kids either. Okay, so 1868, a body of experienced frontiersmen was organized to fight Romano's and another chief called Talbull, another Indian. Yeah, there was a Colonel George Forsyth with 50 scouts, and they got all the action they wanted. Uh, confronted and surrounded by over a thousand warriors, they found that the opposing forces were being directed by their old acquaintance, Romanos. Oh, my goodness. And standing north of them, just out of the range of their guns, he calmly and coolly directed the effort, efforts of the Indians. Now, in the night before the battle, this is where it gets a little interesting, Zen. Romanos had been invited to a feast, okay? Now, remember what I told you the two things that he couldn't do? You can't shake hands. And? I forgot the other one. He cannot eat anything that's been prepared with metal. Oh. Okay? 
Roman nose had been invited to a feast. When all had finished, it was discovered that the woman of the lodge had served the food with an iron fork, breaking the powerful medicine of Roman nose. Uh-huh. Now, almost immediately afterward, the scouts were discovered and hostilities, the fight began. Roman nose had no time to go through his purification ceremonies that you know that he goes through beforehand yeah. so the great warrior rode out and directed the fighting from a distance but it wasn't enough the battle was going badly and he was accused of holding back while his friends were being killed roman nose answered that his medicine had been broken but if it was what they wanted he would take an active part although he was sure to be killed and painting himself in the familiar black and yellow leopard spots and putting on his famous war bonnet, he rode on in to the battlefield. Uh, now, can you picture that black and white leopard? Or, uh, you know, yeah, kind of an easy target. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, when all were ready, uh, aware that he was riding to his death, Roman Nose gave the signal to charge. Uh-oh. And he was right there with them. Uh, it was a charge and a death that none of the whites would ever forget. His medicine failed. He was killed by a shot. Uh, from actually the oldest man and the best shot among the scouts, among the cavalry. They finally got a guy that could shoot. Uh, anyway, Roman Nose was hit in the side, but during the ensuing excitement, he managed actually to crawl from a stream bed uh, up onto some land where he was rescued by some of his followers. But he died that night about sundown, and a fitting and appropriate time to end a distinguished and violent career. He was buried actually in secret, by his wife in undistinguished clothing to hide his identity just because I I think she was afraid that, you know, being so famous that somebody would maybe try to dig him up and, I don't know, do whatever. Didn't they have anything better to do? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's That's the story of Roman knows. Yeah, and I, you know, I... I'm sure there's probably a few people have maybe heard of him. I know yeah. you said you had. I had, yeah. Uh, As a matter of fact, I think, and I'm not going to have to stand for this, but I think there was a movie... A Western movie where they used the name Roman Nose as the chief okay. in that movie. Well, you know, it's it's a kind of a cool name yeah. for an Indian. Well, cool oh. unless you had a snozzola like that. But. <laughs> well, I wish we had a side view of that. Oh, boy, you could <laughs> land a boat on that or whatever. Anyway, that is the story, true to Absolutely. the every degree. You know what? This came from a source that I really rely on. Oh. It's Frontier Times Magazine. Yeah. In 1964. Well. And uh, I've got a whole bunch of those magazines, and I feel like a lot of those stories are pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, they so, might be. Maybe. Hey, Dr. History, you outdid yourself. Again, you had me hanging on every word. Do you realize, Zeb, we've been doing this for 10 years? No. We've done about 500 stories. Have we really? Yeah. Don't you feel it's, old? It, no, you oh, do. Okay. <laughs> we both look old. <laughs>